Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast, brought to you by Simply Physio, aimed at helping you live an enjoyable, fit, and healthy life in and around our community of Knoxville, Tennessee. And now, here is your host, Dr. John Mark Chesney. Hey guys, I'm super excited today to have on the show Zach Kramer. So he is an East Tennessee native. He's head coach and owner of Trinity Strength. Zach is uh, a regional expert in the field of uh, total health. He understands that wellness in all aspects of life are integral in the pursuit of one's health. His diverse experience in education and fitness, in breath and theology of form, the foundation for his program, uh, which requires members to examine the state of their mental and physical health as well as their understanding of happiness. Zach is an avid learner, a patient a teacher. He's a father, a husband, and he faithfully lives out the lifestyle he encourages others uh, to seek. Uh, Zach is uh, a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He earned his bachelor's degree from Center College where he also played football, uh, and he also has his master's in divinity from Emory University. He has strong family roots in the area of fitness and, um, and sport. His father was a college football coach. And his um, father, Roy Kramer, was um, commissioner of the SEC and invented um, BCS, for better or for worse. Uh, But but, um, we'll say better because Tennessee, back in 98... well, first was the first champs uh, there, the BCS. Well, um, welcome to the to the show, Zach. Thank you. We love to start off the show just understanding really your journey. I know we've had a chance to speak some and um, hear some of your backstory, but we'd love to know more of just how you got started and interested in the field, uh, in the arena of fitness and health and performance. Um, so yeah, t- take us back and tell us how it all got started, Zach. Man, how it all got started. <laughs> Honestly, probably all got started because my cousin, who was about six years older than me, wrote me into working out with him when I would visit for the summers, taught me everything I ever needed to know about fitness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, as in what pre-workout to take and (laughs) how good it feels to do curls. Uh, How old were you? Probably around 14 when I first started lifting, somewhere around freshman in high school. I remember doing things for football in the offseason, but yeah, I mean, I kind of enjoyed it during high school, but really when I was in college and started playing football in college, I think I may have ended up liking training during the offseason more than I actually playing football. I I always lived in the weight room in college. Did maybe twice as much. We we would get programs put put up for us for the week of what to do. And I'd always try to like double the stuff because I just wanted to live in there. So yeah, played football in college, really enjoyed training. Didn't think too much about it after that and ended up like you mentioned, I ended up going to seminary. I always thought I was going to be a football coach. And all of a sudden, really, this has nothing to do with fitness. But I went to I took a trip to Israel. And coming back from Israel, I just had to go to seminary. So I went to seminary for three years. And when I was in seminary, that's when I found CrossFit. I was still obsessed with working out and exercising. It's still really competitive from playing college football, looking for something to do and watch the CrossFit games on YouTube. I was like, I can do that. I'll be there in no time. Um, so started dabbling in CrossFit on my own, ended up joining a gym and competing for a while in CrossFit, kind of like the only meathead in seminary at the time, taking classes and competing in CrossFit and began coaching at the gym I was working out at and kind of ended up one thing led to another, ended up another gym as a full-time coach and then moved up here to be closer to family and take over gym in Knoxville. Uh, so you've been owner of um, Trinity Strength for for how long? Uh, five years. So we were a CrossFit gym 
originally, and we've transitioned since then to just Trinity Strength. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I know we were talking a little bit before as far as, um, you know, the, even the story behind that, right? And, and some of your your pursuit of continued learning and understanding the human body and, and how we can best execute, um, you know, working out in a healthy uh, way that accomplishes the goal. I guess that depends on what the goal is, right? Yeah. So has, um, so yeah, take us a little bit back, back, you know, you got, it sounds like your roots, you know, some after, after college in like the CrossFit arena, um, and then that you've, um, developed, um, uh, maybe changed some of your, your theory, your understanding. So yeah, tell us some about that too, just in, in the world of your, your gym and your own personal pursuit. Yeah. So as far as personal pursuit, um, I really got into CrossFit to compete. I mean, I enjoyed every aspect of that and began coaching, but I'm sure you see this in the physical therapy world too. I mean, you always kind of think you know more than you actually do. <laughs> and so I was coaching a lot and trying to help people at the same time I was competing. And at the time, I think at some point CrossFit took a turn where as people got more competitive and wanted to compete in the CrossFit games, that ended up trickling down into what the method really was on the everyday gym floor and just became a more competitive environment in and out of classes. And I just think eventually like at some point you begin to look at that and you realize not everyone there is really there to compete. So they don't necessarily need to be learning how to do the same things that CrossFit competitors need to learn how to do. So that's played out in, I guess, how Trinity has transitioned from uh, CrossFit into its, its own like standalone facility, right? Yeah. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about that. I mean, it's definitely somewhat of a process of, you know, what do we hold on to and what do we kind of move away from? Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I think one of the, probably the main differences is we try to, we try to designate the intensity now. So CrossFit's definition is constantly varied functional movement performed at high intensity. And you can only really perform high intensity so often. I mean, if you think about kind of the evolution or the the or just kind of the human being, we didn't really just go all out every single day. There was a much more relaxed setting. I mean, obviously it was very, very active, but it was not just sprinting every sure. single day. And so taking that into account, we've tried to create a, a program that's a little less everyday sprinting, maybe one day a week, all out effort. But the rest of the days of the week are about um, maintaining health, maintaining joint health, well-being more zone two type training which is you know a little bit just less intense honestly like a conversation level type intensity which we'll talk more about when we talk about breath but that's definitely the zone we're actually burning more fat and things like that there's a lot of science coming out of how lots and lots of high intensity interval training ends up holding on to a lot more fat than burning it so all that stuff taking account it's just like anything else i mean i i love crossfit and i'm so there's no way it's just we're doing something a little bit different now and i think just like anything right like you wouldn't expect any field that has empirical science behind it to stay the same forever there's going to be new data coming out and it's the same way in health and wellness as you guys transitioned just wondering was there a moment or like when did you uh feel like the need to maybe change the style of your guys gym and you know and for why yeah i'd say there are multiple moments honestly i mean there were moments where CrossFit itself made us a better CrossFit gym as I began thinking about, I mean, I, m- I remember being with other CrossFit coaches that were much better than I was calling me out on my coaching and that making me think more about what we were doing at the gym. Are we really helping people or are we not? Like, And I, and I think that's where it all came down to. Every time there's a new moment, it's, okay, am I actually helping people or am I not doing enough to actually help them? And they're kind of getting spit out with injuries that might be unseen to me. And, you, and you'll hear that 
with just a variety of gyms, not just CrossFit, all sorts of different kinds of gyms where people you'll hear later on like, oh, so-and-so got hurt, but no one ever actually knew. Like they never told anybody. Sure. And so as you start to hear stories like that, you, I mean, you can't help but to think, okay, what do I need to adjust? I mean, if you're going to a gym, you're going there to get healthy. Getting injured is the exact opposite of getting healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, you know, things happen. Like, you know, I, I tell people if I had to choose an injury, I'd rather it be an injury of overactivity uh, versus underactivity because um, underactivity injuries typically are in the form of heart disease, stroke, those type of um, in, in, uh, illnesses, right? So I'd much rather have... Um, but at the same time, if you have somebody coming in, they're finally being active again. The last thing you want to have happen is then to something to happen as they're being active to get hurt and right. then be back on the sidelines. Um, there's definitely a balance, yeah, right. there too yeah. between you know that as well, where you want to encourage people to be active um, and to find health. A huge part of health is exercising, right? So how do we keep you know keep people in the game? So I think it's hard because a lot of the times what's good for us in activity is kind of boring. I mean, this is America, so more is always better. And so when we get into exercise, a lot of people just think, well, if I'm going to exercise, I'm going to go for it. And that just doesn't always translate in the long run. Sure. And I just um, saw recently the um, ACSM released, I think I'm pretty sure it was ACSM, updated their recommendations uh, for exercise. And for the longest time, it had been, um, I believe it's 150 minutes of exercise a week. But they didn't have any type of um, designation on like really intensity, you know, because there's a lot of research that's, you know, come out that really shows that, you know, having some level of, you know, high intensity, like the benefits, right? And like um, in high intensity, like pushing yourself, right? Uh, for a shorter period of time where you can get the benefits of, you know, of a workout in much less, you know, time. But they came out with um, like a, a, a second level um, uh, and I can't remember exactly the specific, but it, um, it includes like, hey, if, you know, 150 minutes is still recommended of moderate level activity, but if you're doing a higher level activity, then you only, maybe it's 45 or I can't remember exactly what it is, but hey, I thought it was um, good that they updated that to reflect, you know, just the evidence that's been out for a long time. Right. As far as the benefit. I think more and more is going to go to, you definitely need to include high intensity training into your week or like 10 day kind of spectrum at some point, but it's going to end up becoming more and more of, you really need to be active as much as possible throughout your day moving, which is what I tell people more than anything. Like if you're sitting and you're on your computer, try to sit in hero's pose or with your legs crossed or stand or move around. Don't just stand all day either. I mean, try to sit in different positions or just walk around. I mean, I think that's really what is the best thing you can do for yourself because really if you go into the gym and you do 20 minutes all out max heart rate effort, but then you go back and you sit for eight hours. Yeah. I mean, how much are you really doing for yourself? Yeah. And on that topic, when people ask me about posture, it's like, yeah, yeah. posture, like, you know, when I'm sitting or, you know, things like that, it's like, well, there's uh, that ideal, you know, positioning ergonomics, you know, and, and those you know, types of things that we can talk about. But ultimately the best posture is the next posture. Right. <laughs> is, yeah. Yeah. Is, you know, ex exactly. You know, telling the same thing. That's is, awesome. Is, um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta change. Like, you know, the body, the human body is not made to be in one position. And, you know, you think about the 
development of the human race. Like it's not until recently, like, you know, the invention of the computer is relatively a, a recent invention, right? You know, before that we were, you know, hunters and gatherers. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, like you, I was thinking about that before when you're talking about like, you know, hunter and gatherers, like there's the whole um, aspect of, you know, the quiet, this, the still creeping up on a prey. There's a lot of rest and digest. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's the, like the sprint, the attack, um, but it's not attack mode all the time. And I tell people that too. I mean, you know, we have somebody sign up for three classes a week, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of covering myself also, but it's like, just so you know, moving for three hours out of, I mean, how, how many hours are in a week? That's not, that's not the end. Like signing up for three hours a week is not going to get you where you need to be, you know? And so we try to teach outside of here, this is everything else you need to be doing in order to actually see the results you want to see. So, yeah. So you guys have, um, I guess shifted if, if you will, into, um, would you say it's an understanding of your client's needs or maybe your own like personal, like growth or understanding of what you feel like is best? Probably a mix of both. And I mean, probably a, a growth of me actually seeing the needs that are being exposed by our clients. Well, um, I'd love to hear just a little bit more about, um, I know we've talked a little bit about like what you guys have created uh, there at um, Trinity Strength. And um, yeah, just to tell us a little bit more of like, even if a listener uh, was, you know, interested in, you know, what we're talking about, like to explain the process of um, of somebody who's like, you know, looking to not necessarily compete in the CrossFit games, but they want to be healthy. Um, they want to um, exercise. They want to do it in a way that hopefully isn't, you know, they're not getting in, injured, but working with a professional. How do, how do you like work with somebody that's, you know, getting started? And like, is there a certain recommendation or like kind of onboarding, if you will? Yeah. I mean, we, we have a few different options. What will, the first thing we always do is sit down with the person, have a one-on-one -on -one, almost interview like process where we just want to hear what their goals are. Why they're there. Why is that important to you? If we can find out why it's important, what got you to walk through the door that day and really solve the problem behind the problem that's going to be our main mission, you know, and, and most of the time it ends up being related to, look, I have kids and I want to be able to run, run around with them and not feel out of breath or my knees hurt when I'm chasing after them. And those are, that's really kind of what we're want to help people with. And then from there, it's really a discussion of what do we want to prescribe for them? So we do nutrition, we do personal training, we have group classes and we have breath work. And so it's just kind of like hearing from them, what do they really need? Some people are going to need personal training. Really, if you get down to it, personal training is going to get you where you want to be the fastest because we can really create a plan designed just for you around your imbalances, around your issues, around your needs and goals. But if you're going to do group classes or things, we've talked about that already, then what that looks like is we still start people with personal training. We do three or four sessions with them. We begin literally teaching them how to breathe correctly again. We move into assessing their joints and how they move because we want to educate them as well of you know, help them understand their own body of where they are, what they need to work on, what they need to be careful about. And then especially if they're coming into group classes, they need to know, okay, I'm going to have to scale these movements, X, Y, and Z to different things because I'm working on my, my shoulders or I'm working on my ankles or whatever the issue is, because with a group class setting, you know, there's, there's kind of one workout, but we scale it indefinitely for what the needs are of each person. Sure. Sure. Part of this podcast, we want to get more into talking about breath right breath work and uh, i doubt that's a common conversation in an interview uh with the owner of um, a fitness gym <laughs> yeah. um, and so um, hopefully it is 
becoming more of one. Right, right. So uh, we're going to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor, but then we're going to come back and um, hear uh, that really dive all into the breath and how you guys incorporate breath um, into working with your clients, uh, you know, just the story behind that and uh, really give us, our listeners, some practical steps on what things they can be on the lookout for and what they can do to improve on their breathing, why that's important. Stay Healthy Knoxville is sponsored by Simply Physio a physio clinic that equips and empowers you to live your life to the fullest so that you can enjoy the things you love to do and be the person you are made to be. Simply Physio specializes in helping people get back to a healthy and active lifestyle, living free from pain and medication, and avoiding unnecessary surgery. Stay tuned until the end of the episode to receive a special gift from Simply Physio and enjoy listening to the rest of the episode. Hey guys, we're here for the second half of the podcast and uh, we're talking all things um, breath. So I'm here with um, Zach Kramer with uh, uh, Trinity Strength and um, where we left off really was understanding like how in the world did you get um, interested in breath? That's not really necessarily a, a normal I don't know, topic, it seems like with the, with in the fitness or gym, gym scene. Um, it's funny, somebody else asked me this the, the other day and I realized that looking back, I actually, I remember sitting in front of like our Windows 98 computer when I was maybe nine or something and hitting the clock on there and seeing how long I could hold my breath for. And I have no idea, but that just like came back to me when people started asking me about like how I got into it. Anyways, fast forward however many years, probably about four years ago is when I really started getting into it um, a lot more and kind of a, a trending name out there is Wim Hof. Um, I heard him on a podcast describe kind of what he does and Iceman, the Iceman, like many, many people who are kind of into this now, he was their intro and I mean, he's done a lot for it. It's awesome. So I, I had already been doing, um, some, I guess you would say spiritual practices like meditation and things like that. Sure. So once I heard about the Iceman Wim Hof and kind of his thing, I started looking it up, read about how to do his, his breathing practice, which is essentially a ancient form of breathing practice called Tumo breathing. But I started doing that and it was, it was kind of crazy how much it helped with meditation. It really, really stills your mind. Um, it's very intense and then very stilling. And I just, I fell in love with that practice basically. So started doing that quite a bit. And from there, um, I, I, I don't know if I can really even remember the next step, but just getting more and more into it and finding out more through the internet, <laughs> just, sure. just looking up to see what was out there as does, as does anybody search it on Instagram or something. Um, but really started to find kind of like the, the people who are really taking it seriously scientifically. There's another method out there called Buteco method and a book called oxygen and advantage, which that really took the next step for me, really looking at how top coaches in the world were using it for high performers from Olympic sprinters to all these different people, all the way, pulling it all the way back the other direction to helping people with asthma and COPD. So going through that book, you know, just learning a little bit more. And then that's when I began looking into, okay, who's actually teaching this stuff and began taking certifications and growing from there. And every time I'd, I'd learn something new, I'd begin practicing that in my own um, exercise, my own routine, always kind of self-experiment before I bring it to anybody else. Self-experimenting with all this stuff and realize like, man, this is so overlooked and so powerful for just performance, helping you feel better for, especially today, anxiety and stress, mm -hmm. all those different facets started to come together. And I just began to realize how important it was and slowly began, um, bringing it into the gym from there. Yeah. That's really interesting. I was, um, I don't know how I got introduced to Wim Hof, but, um, I didn't quite 
dive down at the depths that you have. So I'm I'm really interested in our our conversation here today. And you know, PT school, you know, we go over breath and breathing. And I feel like it was a little bit of weak though. Like I've had to do like more as I've I've seen the impact that it's made. You know, with my you know clients too, as far as just from a rehabilitation you know type perspective. Um, yeah, and I you know came to your your breath workshop a few <laughs> yeah, weeks yeah. ago, and um, thanks yeah, for coming. Right, and it was and I learned a lot. You know, through that too. Of, um, you know, just different aspects, different, you know, ways of looking at, you know, um, you know, breath and, you know, some of the exercises that we went through. I'd be curious, you mentioned kind of like seeing it more of its importance in your clientele. What, what have you seen? I guess, like what, what stuck out to you that yeah, makes I mean, you think more about it? My looking for like breath dysfunction is expanded, you know, um, some and seeing its um, ability to really impact most people. Very, you know, basic uh, from looking at, like what muscles, you know, somebody's using just, um, you know, typically we are looking at it in just a, like a resting state. So not necessarily like in a, um, in an exertion, you know, level, but you know, how is like resting rate, you know, breathing, what muscles are people using and what happens when people are under stress, like a lot of conditions, you know, um, are, you know, pain conditions, pain dominant is very much influenced, you know, by stress and how people carry or manage, you know, stress in the body or, you know, mental stress affects, you know, physical uh, absolutely. stress. And, um, and even how that changes breathing, you know, patterns, you know, to, you mentioned, you know, when you're anxious, you know, you know, worried and, and, and such and oxygenation, you know, of the muscles. And so, um, you know, we see it even just like if, if I'm working with somebody and, um, they're very reflexive, like if I'm, you know, doing some hands-on work and like their tissue is just very, um, tonic, uh, just very, you know, wound up that oftentimes the technique I'll do is like, Hey, let's, instead of me just pushing harder, and in, in fighting your tone, like when your body's like producing some degree of protection um, and pain, ultimately pain is the body's way to protect you, right? So if I'm trying to push harder into this pain, your body's going to fight back more into wanting to protect it. And we're just fighting fire with fire. So instead, you know, started to look at like, hey, how can we like, instead of just kind of be at odds, um, how can we um, use the body through even breath to reduce tone, like, can I have some pressure on a spot and, you know, uh, some mild pressure and then let's go through some diaphragmatic breathing just to reduce tone and more times than not, you know, it allows us to, you know, work further into the area without fighting each other. Yeah, we'll do that with, um, like, after every workout in our classes, we'll have some sort of cool down or recovery. Might just be foam rolling or something. Just to bring the heart rate back down a little bit before you leave and to loosen up something you just worked on. But we'll do that a lot, say, to breathe in for four, out for eight. Um, and that slow exhale helps you relax into that work, whatever you're doing, whether it's a stretch with a band or foam roller, you'll begin to relax a little bit and let the let the tissue expand a little bit more as, as you've, um, you know, got in, you know, into this understanding of, of breath. Um, yeah. Tell us more about how you see its importance, like in, um, like physical performance or exercising and, and how you guys incorporate it in that regard. Yes. Like I said, when, if you become like literally the first thing we do in a personal training session or an evaluation is have you lay on the ground. I don't know. Is that how you kind of usually see people breathing, yeah. laying on their ground? Yeah. I would try not to tell them I'm watching them breathe. Right. <laughs> well, that's the, it's, it's always awkward. Like I kind of have to tell them that's what we're <laughs> right, doing because I, if I, they just come into a gym, I'm like, okay, lay, lay down. The <laughs> I'm just going to watch you for two minutes. <laughs> right. Right. It's a little different. Lay there, I'm going to watch you for a while. <laughs> I think people will be like, what, where did I come to? But so yeah, we'll have them lay down, um, watch their breathing, assess them a little bit. And then from there we'll begin trying to teach them how to breathe with their diaphragm. Cause 
honestly, since we've incorporated this into our fundamentals, our personal training at the very beginning when they join, I'd say 90% of people cannot breathe with their diaphragm, at least on the first day. And the way we do that, I mean, you can do this sitting, standing, laying down at home. I mean, you just put a hand on your chest, hand on your belly, and just start cueing yourself to only breathe by moving the hand on your belly, no movement in the hand on your chest. Um, kind of like the most basic step to begin the process of breathing correctly. So we'll take them through that and begin really trying to increase the amount of breath they're taking in. So they're really focusing on using their diaphragm to breathe, have them do it sitting, have it do it standing because it gets harder and harder as you go. The more weight you're supporting, the harder it gets. So that's like the most basic place we start is just how to breathe um, using your diaphragm. And then as far as like you asked, going into sports performance, it kind of splits off into lots of directions from there, from just how you how you breathe to hold a heavy weight, how you breathe when you're doing lots of repetitions of different movements to how you breathe when you're doing long, slow endurance. So it kind of splits off and, and we try to teach each of those different things as we go. When somebody's um, coming in or um, I'd imagine this isn't necessarily on the radar, you know, for people, expectations maybe, you know, coming in, um, where somebody, you know, asks you is like, Hey, like I breathe every day all the time. (laughs) I'm breathing right now. Yeah. Um, why did, why do I need to work on my breath? Well, usually, um, we clear that up pretty quickly. If I'm having a discussion, it's one thing, but if I'm, if I'm getting to be there training them, it's a different thing because once I have them lay down and I say, okay, only move the hand on your belly, not the hand on your chest, you immediately get some wide open eyes of surprise because people don't realize how hard that is. For the vast, like I said, the vast majority of people who come through, especially by the time they're standing and they're trying to do it, they can't do it. Um, it takes a lot of focus and effort to do it. And I mean, really, it's trying to quote unquote wake up your diaphragm after not using it in so long. It's like trying to move just your fourth toe, you know, like you just have to somehow figure out how to connect your brain to that muscle. Um, and it's just not happening. So if we say it's important and then we have them go through that and they realize they can't do it, usually it starts to get a little bit of buy-in from that person. Um, if I'm discussing with, with somebody and they, and they say that usually I'll kind of just go into the the effects of, um, over breathing, um, which is just breathing more than you, than you need to. And usually go into just how that, how that affects you really, um, with your stress levels. So just to explain that a little bit more. Like if you, if you were to tell somebody to take a deep breath, like somebody's stressed out, you tell them to take a deep breath. Usually what you'll see is like a huge, like a huge in and out the mouth, shoulders, chest, big breath. Then you'll say, I'll usually ask them, okay, what does somebody that's hyperventilating look like? How do they breathe? And it's the same thing, right? Big breath and in and out the mouth, in and out the chest and teaching people that breathing like that creates stress also. So it's, it goes back and forth. If you breathe like that, you're going to be more stressed out. If you're more stressed out, you're going to breathe like that. And then kind of teaching them how to breathe properly relaxes you instead of stressing you out all the time. You know, oftentimes I'll even just talk more anatomically, you know, because people, you know, usually have some sense and awareness that they need to strengthen their core. Right. And um, a lot of people, what that means to them is uh, probably need to do some crunches, you know, maybe some planks and, um, you know, maybe get on a, some sort of bouncy ball, balance ball and I've got my core, right? I strengthen my core. Um, and and just explaining to them like the anatomy, we got the, um, you know, the abdominal musculature, you know, through the front, the deep abdominal musculature is really more of the core. We got some of the deep lumbar musculature, like that's the front of the back, right? But I tell people that every single, I mean, we, I can't remember the number. It's like 26,000 breaths a day or something. Every single breath is a rep for if exactly. you're about core strength. One 
really cool way to do that is if you have somebody just take as much air in as humanly possible, they'll realize how much their core is involved. I mean, it'll force you to use your diaphragm to pull in that air. And then you tell them to squeeze out as much. It really works if, if you've ever done cat cows. It works really well in a cat cow position. I think, it, did we do that? Um, yeah, I think we did. Um, yeah, yeah. But have you like squeeze out as much air, wring all the air out as possible, as much as possible, and you'll realize how much you use your abs to squeeze out air. And then on a much more minor level, every breath is using the diaphragm and then squeezing it out with your abs. Yeah, and most people just don't even recognize that the diaphragm is a, one of the core core muscles, right? Um, that and also the pelvic floor is, you know, really the the foundation or the the base and the you know, diaphragm is the, the roof. And um, people just, you know, think about the the abs and you know, maybe, maybe the back, you know, too, as far as being your core and forget the other two regions. Well, and you see that a lot too with like all the back issues. I'm sure you see that too. It, it always ends up coming out with the front of the core being weak. It ends up in the back. People always feel like I've got to make my back stronger. Really, you're probably breathing incorrectly. Your core is not as strong as it should be to support your back. Yeah, interested in like um, actually when you're exercising. So I understand you guys, you know, take through some kind of base understanding of, hey, we need to cue the diaphragm. We need to work the diaphragm. You know, starting off lying down, can you do it as you're progressively getting more vertical? So what do you take it from there? Yeah, it kind of depends what type of exercise we're going to do. So if we go into, you know, heavier loads lifting, we're going to talk more about bracing. So we're going to talk about taking a breath in, starting to exhale, but holding that breath. So you really create that tension within kind of between your ribs and your pelvic floor. I mean, you're really creating a lot of tension there to hold the weight, say for instance, in the squat as you go down and up, and then you'd breathe at the top, recreate that brace down and up. Um, another way we talk about the same thing for lifting weights would be just, can I breathe in this position? So once we teach people how to breathe with their diaphragm and they begin to feel what that's supposed to be like, if we're doing a squat or any, really any kind of movement, we might cue them to say, okay, can you still breathe using your diaphragm at the bottom of the squat? And if they can't, usually it's a sign that we're, we're overarching or we're doing something weird with our back and pulling ourselves out of that kind of posture alignment, like you talked about earlier, where you can breathe anatomically correctly um and you're probably putting some stress somewhere you shouldn't be you might have asked is um is it still taught or recommended like to breathe the breathing cycle based off of the concentric versus eccentric part of an exercise yeah for the most part so a lot um, of people maybe have some base uh, if they've had some weightlifting right a little understanding of that right it depends a lot on the load so if it's a much heavier load where we really want to keep that stability throughout the entire the entire rep, we'll do that Vasalva maneuver where we create that tension, hold the tension, um, that breath into the belly that we keep there for the whole rep, breathe at the top, obviously not completely just relax like at the top where we still got some tension, but regaining that maneuver again and going down and up. Now, if we're doing something lighter, um, you know, light squats or things like that where we're just doing reps and reps and reps in a row. Mm -hmm. That's where you're going to time that breathing up more with breathing in on the way down. Usually I say exhale as you exert. So as you're standing up out of a squat, you would breathe out, but you wouldn't want to do that if you had a max load on you because you're going to lose that tension. I love to hear a little bit more about, you know, mouth breathing versus nasal breathing and how that's incorporated into like your research and understanding, um, you know, for uh, general population or into the exercise crowd. I mean, kind of long story short would be essentially 99% of the time you should be breathing through your nose. It's what helps us stay relaxed. So if we think about what it looks like to be stressed out again, breathing in and out your mouth is going to cause that. Now, a lot of that has to do if we go kind of all the way into kind of nerd world here and talk about carbon dioxide and levels of carbon dioxide, a lot of that has to do with carbon dioxide. If we think about carbon dioxide essentially equaling stress, just for discussion's sake, 
then the more we breathe out that carbon dioxide when we're mouth breathing, we get less and less tolerant to it because we're used to really, really low levels of carbon dioxide. We're essentially making ourselves really, really used to low levels of stress. So in that sense, as soon as any sort of stress hits, um, we feel it immensely. We're not, we're not prepared for that buildup of CO2, that buildup of stress. So if we can breathe through our nose instead, we release a lot more CO2. We're going to increase our tolerance to the carbon dioxide. And then when stress builds up, we're more ready to handle it. Other than that, like really the times for mouth breathing are at that sprint level. We talked about earlier. Just anaerobic. Yeah, like anaerobic stuff. So like we talked about earlier, you know, kind of maybe 20% of the time in your exercise regimen is that high intensity training. That's when you're gonna go into that mouth breathing. Um, and one thing we teach at our gym is, is a gear system where you kind of ramp up. So, you know, first gear would be easy breathing in and out your nose, kind of even even keel breathing in your nose, at your nose. The second gear would be moving more into like fast inhales and then easier exhales. So you're really bringing in some air, but then trying to still relax on the exhale, move up another gear. You begin really breathing hard in and out your nose. Another gear from there would be where you would first breathe out your mouth. So you'd breathe in your nose, out your mouth, and then last final gear, all out push is in and out your mouth, going for it. So that's one way that we, I kind of talked about how we try to kind of prescribe the intensity for the day. That's one of the methods that we'll use to kind of help people understand how should I be breathing is going to dictate how hard I'm going today. But it's amazing the more you stick to nasal breathing, how much you can move up kind of your heart rate and what you can handle just by breathing out your nose. Yeah. You took us through that sequence there in the workshop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as so far it was as like a recovery, mm-hmm. we did the, reco- we did it kind of going backwards, right? Where did we do both? Yeah. I don't know how you define backwards versus well, forwards. So but- like, I'm pretty sure one of the things we did was we did intervals and then we, um, rested in between. And during that rest, we did, um, breaths in and out our mouth. And then you did so many bre- breaths in and out your mouth, then so many breaths in your nose, out your mouth, sure. and then so many breaths in and out your nose to try to pull your heart yep. rate back down yep, before you start so again. Yeah. So yep. you can, yeah, you can go up the ladder and you can come back down the ladder to help you recover. Yeah. I remember you um, took us through like an initial test um, where, um, what does it take uh, as big a breath as you can and then let it out as slowly as you can um, and you see. You crushed that. <laughs> um, and yeah, when, I mean, I have a swimming background. Um, and so, um, yeah, I'm sure that impacted Usually it. 60 seconds is like, a, a really good benchmark to hit. And I think you were at 58 or something. I was close. Yeah, yeah. close to it. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but um, well, a lot of people we see, even athletes and people like that will see hit 18. So why don't you explain that test? Cause that's something people could could do mm-hmm. just to maybe get a, yeah. um, a little um, assessment, self-assessment. Does that mean, is that fair? Yeah, that's totally fair. So uh, just a carbon dioxide tolerance test. I think it originally came from the free diving community. So they were doing this stuff. Free diving? Free diving. Diving. Okay. Yeah. So the free divers who, um, there's some amazing stuff out there. I think people (laughs) diving for eight minutes on one breath. So uh, anyways, the carbon dioxide tolerance test, essentially you want to be relaxed for a little while. You don't want to be just finishing or working out or anything like that. So nice relaxed setting. Take um, maybe about a minute to just breathe normally, nice and relaxed. You're going to take three breaths. At the end of that third breath, you'll breathe in one more time fully all the way in. So you'll breathe in as much with your belly, as much with your chest. Get all the air in as you possibly can. Then you're going to hit the timer and immediately start exhaling. And then you're going to exhale that air as slow as you possibly can. And when you, if you hit like a hitch, like you, like, I mean, obviously either you take a breath if you hit a hitch, like you stop exhaling and then start exhaling again, you hit the timer. So anything that kind of disrupts 
that exhale, you hit the timer, and that's your score. The goal is to be around a minute, or that's a good. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good, really good, that's good benchmark. Yeah, a good benchmark. I mean, can, sure, sky's the limit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's interesting. Like you know, growing up swimming, um, you know, a lot of that is um, you know is holding your breath, not breathing too much, especially like you know the sprint you know distances, and yeah, that was um, you know swam um, you know from five all the way up through eighteen, coached a little bit too, and but that's uh, something that was never like incorporated. And, like I remember thinking about it, like like going through a race like okay i feel like i should breathe in a certain way before i jump in the water you know um but i just kind of played around with a little bit but um never really um, i'm sure you were knew. building your <laughs> tolerance to that carbon dioxide without really realizing it right and that's it sounds like how you guys i mean kind of in essence you know work with it like through the workout yeah absolutely kind of what i always tell people if they actually really want to be serious about it you got to take the month challenge where you just only breathe through your nose in and out for the whole month with any exercise you do, um, kind of jump right into the deep end. Unless you're competing in the Olympics next week, you can take a month and do this. And you'll just have to scale the intensity of your workouts down to allow that. But you'll notice huge differences coming out from that. Uh, what do you say, even with like running? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you watch the top runners, whoever just broke the marathon world record, um, I'm pretty sure if you watch a video of him, he's nasal breathing the entire workout, the mm. entire run. The five minutes it takes him to run them. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. <laughs> or I guess they were, I mean, what they average like a record is, is completely insane. One of the biggest, di- one of the biggest differences, I mean, if you just think about a, a stressed state versus a relaxed state, um, breathing through your nose keeps you in much more of a relaxed state. So if you're thinking about something where you want to do it correctly under control, the more you can breathe through your nose, the better it's going to, that's going to be. Yeah, you know, I think we've gotten through, you know, a lot of uh, information. I did have um, a question. I'm not sure if uh, this is kind of putting you on the spot a little yeah, bit. Go for it. Have you seen maybe in the gym uh, since we're in the middle of a pandemic? I don't know if you've have played around or seen or had um, clients, you know, that have had coronavirus and, um, you know, the oftentimes complain of, you know, breathing. I don't know if you've seen any of that. We have not. Well, I mean, very happily. We have had not had very many people get coronavirus at our gym. Yeah. So I couldn't say um, just anecdotally yeah. what that, I mean, you, you bring up a good question. I can think of one member now that I do want to like reach out to and ask about that. Um, but I do know like respiration rates have spiked from that. Like I, I, one of my, one of my good friends um, wears a whoop all the time and it essentially showed him he had coronavirus before he knew it because his respiration just skyrocketed while hmm. he was sleeping uh, without realizing it. But the, the, I guess a tangent to that is that they actually did just do a study though that showed um, just in COVID news that showed nitric oxide's effect to stop the virus from replicating. And so nitric oxide is a huge chemical that you release every time you breathe in and out your nose. It's a part of our immune response inside our nose that doesn't happen if you breathe in and out your mouth. So they've shown that nitric oxide is effective to stop stop coronavirus from replicating. So that's kind of interesting as far as another plug for breathing in and out, in and out your nose right now. Over the summer, came across an article talking, like, I mean, looking at post-recovery for uh, difficulty breathing from coronavirus and looking at mobility and they had, uh, they're referencing a, a physical therapy program, but, you know, looking at just how um, inefficient, you know, ultimately your, you know, the rib cage and the diaphragm and, you know, working with somebody who can help, you know, free up, you know, the areas around the lower rib cage, the diaphragm to help, um, re-encourage, you know, proper breathing. Zach, thanks. Um, 
yeah, so much. Um, this has yeah been really fascinating. Uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure yeah listeners do um, have some things that they can practice. I love when we bring to uh, the recording you know some things that they can you know self test. So um so yeah guys try out the um the the maximal inhalation slow um, exhalation test and um, see how long. If you want to go all in on this, then eventually you'll be led to mouth taping at night. If you want to know kind of the, the end run of where this, where this will lead you, it's to taping your mouth while you sleep. Okay. That sounds like some sort of like torture. <laughs> it's just to make sure you breathe through your nose while like you sleep. Like waterboarding. Water, what is it? Water. <laughs> yeah. That's usually mouth the thing taping. that I tell people that you're going to end up doing and then they, you know, walk away. But <laughs> It's like, all right, Zach, you, I think you've gone overboard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have gone off the deep end. Well, awesome. Well, um, we love to uh, finish the, the show here with a few questions um, and Encouraging people to get out and explore um, new things uh, around Knoxville. Um, so we'd love to hear, Zach, something on your bucket list um, around Knoxville, greater East Tennessee area. I guess I've done it once, but one of my things on my bucket list is definitely, as I've had friends get more into it, is to become a mountain bike rider. Um, this area is just uh, has so many awesome places to get out. I just love being outside anyways, and I love riding bikes. So that's kind of my my next thing is mountain biking the area. So you went, you've, you've gone once. I've gone once over in Baker Creek and it was okay. amazing. So. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That's, um, I started mountain biking when I was in college and, um, I haven't, uh, since being back to Knoxville, I haven't really picked it back up partly cause it's just stage of life and kid, young kids and it takes a little while to get out to a trail and easier to go for a run, you know, type thing. Um, but, um, man, yeah, mountain biking is a lot of fun though. Uh, yeah. So uh, next question, what is, um, one of your favorite places to enjoy outside? around Knoxville? Um, well, we, we, my family and I love the Smokies. So anytime we can get to the Smokies, we're excited to do that. Um, other than that, it's just, uh, anytime we can wrangle all three kids and get to a park together just to be outside. So any particular park or, um, uh, the The only problem is we have nicknames for all the park. (laughs) So the one we call, I, I really enjoy going to the one we call sand park. I think it's Anchor, though. Is that the one where the train and the ponds are? Uh, Yes. 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 I'm pretty sure. Sand Park. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That that little beach there, I think, right? right. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Nice. I'm interested to hear your other names. (laughs) Uh, I don't know them all off the top of my head. My wife knows them all more than I do. Kid, kid version yeah, and nicknames exactly. of the parts. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we've actually um, went out. Um, it's I mean, you can do the mountain biking real close by to there over um, at um, kind of right next to the cove, like the bridge over there. But um, oh, yeah, it's yeah. a fun spot to take kids. Um, yeah, we went over there. Um, just uh, a, there a now the hike. lights are on. Okay. All the lights out yeah. of the cove. So we went out to the cove and ran. And Nice. Um, well, uh, what's one of your favorite um, Knoxville restaurants? Um, I guess I would say two. One would be probably the top one is going to be Yassine's. I don't know if you've ever had yep. Yassine's. Yep. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so Yassine's and then probably number two would be Abridged. Awesome. All right. And uh, we love to leave our listeners with um, your best tip or recommendation for staying healthy. And obviously we've been talking about breathing. Um, so if we wanted to kind of take that bent. Yeah. Probably going to say breathe through your nose. Breathe through your nose. Yeah. Challenge yourself with the one month challenge. Yeah. And the sleep world also is huge in all this. So joking aside about the taping your mouth at night, but to also make sure you're breathing through your nose at night is huge. Zach, how can people get in contact with you? If they're interested in the topic, you know, we've, we've talked about Trinity um, strength and if they're interested in exploring, um, you know, improving their health, maybe exploring how uh, to, to breathe, um, coinciding with fitness. Um, yeah. What's the best people can, um, can come experience that or reach out to you? Yeah. The easiest way is just to go to trinitystrength.org and on the, on the site, you can kind of go to what you're interested in and 
fill out a form, just hit book free intro and we'll meet you in chat. Well, um, yeah, thanks so much, Zach, yeah, for coming out. Thank you so much out. for having me. It was awesome. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I uh, really enjoyed this topic. I appreciate it. So thanks again and uh, stay healthy in Knoxville. Thank you for tuning in to the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast brought to you by Simply Physio. If your pain is preventing you from staying healthy and active and you'd like to avoid surgery, pain medicine, or just want to get back to doing the things you love in and around Knoxville, we offer both a free ebook and free over-the-phone consultation to help you figure out the root cause of your pain and the next best steps for resolving it. Find our ebooks online at simplypt.com health-tips. There you will find ebooks for topics such as neck and shoulder pain, lower back and hip pain, knee pain, and TMJ. These quick-to-read reports will provide you with expert tips, tricks, and exercises to help solve your pain from the comfort of your own home. Just visit simplypt.com health-tips to download your ebook and have it delivered directly to your inbox. We also offer free, no-obligation phone consultations with a doctor of physical therapy to Knoxville area residents. Just call us at 865-351-0615 or visit us at simplypt.com and click the Talk to a PT button on the home page to schedule a call with us. Thanks again for joining us, and we will see you next time on the Stay Healthy Knoxville podcast.